What's up, Tiger Talk fans? Welcome to another episode of Tigers Talk Rugby. Before we get to the episode, just remember you can go check out www.tigerstalkprod.com to check out more merch, blogs, and even other old episodes where we cover a lot of content. So before we get jumped into the episode, go look over there and then come back. Welcome back to another episode of Tigers Talk Rugby. I'm Ethan Richards, joined by my usual co-hosts, Beckett Rice and CJ Bakel. Uh, we're a little little behind on this one, but we're going to do our World Cup review, mostly kind of talking about what our predictions look like and how the finals went or or how the outcome of the tournament went. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We were a little hiatus there. Took a couple months off, um, you know, all of us dealing with work and school and stuff. But obviously, now we get to talk about Rugby's Greatest Showpiece. And what showpiece it was this year. No, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and say we didn't take a few months off to like focus on uh, focus on school. We took a couple months off because we were so in depth with the World Cup. That was it. Mm. Yeah, we were just so enthralled. We couldn't be bothered to. Uh, we were just speechless. To be we fair, absolutely... I did watch every single game and very regularly was upset by the outcome of many of these games. Dude, I was upset with almost all of them. (laughs) I I just, you know, I was I was hoping this World Cup was going to be like the year of the upsets. You know, Mm -hmm. I wanted to see a lot more of that blended territory with like some of our good teams and our great teams not looking as good as normal. But like we got some of our usual outcomes like, (laughs) you know, I don't want to go too depth into into like past pool stage yet. but like. We got some of our usual outcomes. I was saying that this isn't such a predictable World Cup. Oh, for sure. I, yeah. Other than one thing, I think there was one thing that wasn't super predictable. Although, to toot my own horn, I did predict it. Um, yep. Australia not going through. Yeah, I mean, I I had higher hopes for them. I thought they would figure it out, and they did not. I had them topping the pool three. I had Australia, Fiji, Georgia all going like three one. Uh, obviously, did not happen. But you know, let's let's go through it uh, pool by pool. We should start with pool A. True. I mean, which, pool A was as predictable as possible. Oh yeah, I I think pretty much all of us we were dead on. France four zero, New Zealand three one, uh, Italy two two, Uruguay one three, and Namibia zero oh, and four. Um, yeah, this one very straightforward. Uh, Namibia continues. I have no idea how many World Cup games they played so far, but they continue with their winless streak at World Cups. Um, It'd be like thought, that. Yeah. Um, I, it's, I, I thought Italy... Excuse me. I thought Italy played uh, a pretty decent match against uh, France. Um, I'm trying to find the score here. Wouldn't um, say I, the no, you're, about their other game, though, <laughs> against New Zealand. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was bad. Well, so, yeah, I mean, what what can you say? That was just a huge monumental step back for Italian rugby these last. Oh, the 60 to 7 Italy versus France is that what you're talking about? Um, I was actually talking about uh, New Zealand 96 17 over Italy. 
Um, yeah. And sorry, but I was still. mistaken there. So Uruguay was the game I was thinking of where they pushed France for most of the game. It ended 27-12, but it was fairly close, I think, up to about 40, 50 minutes into the match. Um, yeah. Yeah, right. New Zealand um, played well their first two games, you know, did what they needed to do, dispatched Uruguay and Namibia, and then just did not show up at all against France or New Zealand. I, I, I didn't think they would win, really, but I thought they would come out, be competitive, because they've been competitive the last few years. And Well, especially, like, Italy-France during the Six Nations was, like, a decent yeah. game. Yeah, like, they it was lost by, like, won. less than 10 points, I think, by single digits. Um, and so, so I was hoping during this World Cup, like, France and New Zealand, very comparable in terms of, like, quality and skill, which we got to see in that opening game. It was super great, fantastic, fun oh, movie yeah. to watch. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, Italy's going to have such, like, it's going to be such good games. And then it just wasn't. So, but yeah. to round out that pool, I think we should move forward since this was kind of the pool that we all had pretty set and pretty right. Right. I think, yeah, outcome predictable. Some of the score lines a little, little bit more little shocking lucky. than we thought. Not as yeah. predictable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe, so in, yeah, that was predictable for past Italy teams. I thought they had moved on from that, but for sure. Well, moving on to Pool B, in which I did not get correct um, at all yes. because I was hoping for far more of a shit show um, in this match or in this pool uh, than uh, what we got before. Yeah, this was, uh, you know, it's funny. This pool featured the best team uh, in the World Cup and the worst team in the World Cup, uh, South Africa Ouch. and Romania. Ouch. Yeah. I mean, this one, again, was, uh, I kind of predicted it. I had Ireland winning, um, but I did say, um, yeah, I had Ireland, South Africa, Scotland, than Tonga Romania, but I had Ireland losing a match and not going undefeated. So, yeah, but that Ireland yeah. South Africa game was really good. It was oh, unpredictable. So I got to predict that. Uh, yeah. but like Beckett, you and I watched. Yeah, we watched like what the last like twenty minutes together. Yeah, and we we like the last twenty minutes we were like, and it was a phys- I feel like it was super physical too. Like, Ireland was really Very. trying to, like... Because that's, like, South Africa's game, right? Is that they're just going to just be outman you, out-physical you. And then Ireland just stood up to the plate and was like, all right, if you swing you swing first, I'll swing back twice as hard. Yeah, it's very difficult to try and negate uh, South Africa's physicality. You either have to try and avoid it and take it out of the game as much as possible, or you have to front up, which is the much, I would say, probably the much harder option, and Ireland absolutely came to it. I mean, and for 60 minutes, did it. And you could see that that's where people succeeded against South Africa. Yeah. Granted, they won the whole damn thing anyway, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I will say, in this pool... The one team that disappointed me, and I'm sure both of you Don't you, you dare say well. Romania. <laughs> uh, I mean, we kind of knew that we I were going to disappoint with Romania, so yeah. I, I wouldn't say they my disappointed My expectation was disappointment, so. 
true. Our expectations yeah. were low, but wow. But Scotland did yeah, disappoint. very disappointing. Yeah, yeah they were for most of their matches against South Africa and Ireland. Yeah, um, bro. Were not. They had moments. Absolutely had moments. Um, but they just were not nearly as competitive as I thought they would be. Um, just. I expected a lot more out of them, and just it didn't live up. Because this is supposed to be one of, if not like the best Scotland sides uh, we've ever seen coming into a World Cup, and it absolutely did not live up to it. I mean, Ireland beat them by 22 points. That's crazy. Yeah, and it's just like they looked flat on whenever they had mm-hmm. the ball in hand, right? Because like yeah. against South Africa, yes, they played really good defense, I would argue. But they looked just so flat. And like you said, same thing with the Ireland game. Looked flat. Romania, different story because, you know, it's Romania. And then even against <laughs> Tonga, I think, you know, the scoreline says 45 to 17, which, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, yeah, that's a huge scoreline. But I would have expected a little bit more out of them. You know what I mean? Like, it, yeah, they I, had I they put up a lot of points, Tonga. but I feel like they looked flat. Yeah, that game against Tonga, I think Tonga... Um, was better than the scoreline shows. I would agree. For sure. I think going through all of Pool B as a whole, it was not unexpected how the pool came out as like with your one, two, three, four, five location on the table. Yeah. But I think it was, again, similar to... Pool A, unexpected in how some of those teams looked because I think South Africa, in my eyes, after how they looked during the rugby championship, I wasn't expecting to look as good as they did. And Scotland looked much poorer in this pool than I was expecting them to do. Yeah. I think a lot of it also has to come down to like, South Africa getting some luck there, especially towards the end. A lot <laughs> of luck, especially you know, dang well, against England, there was only one call that I think turned the whole entire thing for them. But we'll talk about the knockout stages later. But yeah, I mean, they did it, they looked like an average South African team, to be honest, in the group stages. Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't, don't hate me on that one. They definitely they leveled up through the whole tournament. They got and looked better and better and better and better as the tournament went. I think once Andre Pollard was finally getting into the starting lineup, then things started to turn for them. Makes sense. Well, Becca, do you have anything else to say about Pool B before we jump to Pool C? Uh, No, I think we've kind of covered it there. I um, mostly went about the way we expected, but some disappointment there from Scotland. Yeah. Yeah. So, the pool that I've been waiting to talk about with y'all. Oh man. Pool C. The outcome that all of us were were expecting high variance on. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I think this one we had we all had uh, at least one different uh, team going on. Hey, at least we had Fiji. We're all right all on Fiji. Fiji. I yeah, got right Fiji now. and Wales. Yeah, I Ethan got Fiji Wales. 
Yeah, we both had Australia, and that looks. Ooh, man, they. Uh, they did that not that was play. bad. Yeah, not only did the two bad. of y'all have Australia, but you'll also put Australia going through as top of the pool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so here's my thing. Here's my one. I want to talk about not necessarily about Australia, but I want to really talk about. So Fiji came second here. Mm-hmm. With just a shocking loss at the very end to Portugal by one point. That was wild. After they pushed Wales, which they probably should have won if they didn't have that knock on at the very end when it was a sure cut try. And I think had um had they had their starting fly half, uh Caleb Months available to play, I think it would have been a different they probably could have won that game and then had beaten them and Australia. But then to go out and lose to Portugal, I mean, so it's like two World Cups in a row where they just have shocking losses to teams. Portugal this time and Uruguay last time that they should easily beat. Yeah, but, and I think that has got to be right. and, a sign that they're not ready right. to be labeled in that tier one, in that top of the game sort of category because they they're don't have consistent enough. there. And I would, but also you got to give props to Portugal because not only did they defeat uh, Fiji, they also drew with Georgia. Mm, yeah. That's a good point. So I, I think it, it it speaks a little bit. It speaks to both Fiji not being consistent enough to you know win the games they need, they should win, but also to how how far along Portugal's come in the last several years. I mean, their U twenty, they have a very uh, a solid U twenties. A lot of players I think play in France and just a very good setup going on there. So they're on. I mean, they're very clearly a team on the come up. Oh yeah, they're they were one of the more entertaining teams to watch when they were playing like a comparable team to them, uh, mm-hmm. just because of how fast they are, man. Like you, yeah. some of those players, especially on the wings, are just so fast so that you could just kick a ball up in the air and they'll just be right underneath it. it doesn't matter where on the pitch it is. Uh, but I'm gonna go back to Fiji. Even though they look disappointing, I still think they were one of the most entertaining teams to watch, just because of how massive they were. Yeah. They were how fast they were playing, how big they were playing. Obviously, a lot of these games were really close. Like mm-hmm. that Wales Fiji match, great game. Fiji yeah, Australia, one. great match. Fiji Georgia, great match. Yep. And the, uh, you Fiji don't Portugal. Or, Fiji great Portugal, match. great match. Like all of them were really good. And the thing with them is like. They played exactly how people would assume that they would play. All these super athletic, gigantic human beings just running full tilt at everyone, doing the crazy offloads and all of that. So honestly, I'm going to applaud them for that only because they were so much fun to watch. Granted, that it was they had a lot of luck for them going their way mm-hmm. because they're the first team to have two losses and go on to the next stage. Crazy. Yeah. I will I die on this hill, though. Yes. I will die on this hill, though, that had Caleb Muntz been starting... Oh, yeah. yeah. And not Teti Tella, who is a solid player, but had Caleb Muntz been starting, I think we see a world where K- Fiji goes 4-0. I, no, I, I, I'm maybe not... Four, at least 3 Actually, that's what three I'm saying. 3-1. 3-1. 4-0, baby. No, that's so, what I'm I mean, <laughs> really good for them that they found what looks like their future at fly half because he's very good and he's only oh, 24. Dude, he's so good, yeah. man. He's so good. Just uh, overall, though, Pool C, like, we just listed the Fiji games, all great matches. We've overlooked this, I think, a little bit, though, because so I'd say this this is just, you know, a crazy pool marked with 
for the most, I think Fiji, you can say the Portugal game was disappointing, but overall, very, very happy. They went on, made the knockouts. Wales, I don't think they can be upset. They won every match and made it through. Australia, obviously very disappointing. Portugal, I think very happy, a win and a draw. Georgia, absolutely very disappointing. Did not win a single match. Yeah. And we all had them, I think, third to fourth, definitely not. We we picked, I think we all picked Portugal as the team to to not win a match. And Correct. They won one, drew one. Yeah, and, and Georgia drew one and won none. This, they did not come out. Um, I just seemed that the, the teams they came at, they were not prepared enough. Um, Portugal came out hungrier to get that draw and couldn't overcome Fiji and uh, just weren't really in it nearly as much as they need to be against Australian waves. And on top of that, for Georgia-Portugal, for this matchup, to give a little bit of the benefit of doubt towards Georgia, this is a matchup that both teams see more frequently than pretty much any other matchup in this pool. Yeah. Yeah, 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 Yes, we see, you know, this pool pretty much stick together over, what, the last four World Cups? <laughs> True, <laughs> but again, that's only once every four years. While Georgia, Portugal, a <laughs> little bit more frequent than that. <laughs> death, it's death, taxes, and Australia playing Wales in the group stage. <laughs> True. <Yeah. laughs> Which before before um, Beckett made the good point of Georgia performing poorly, I was going to go to the other end of the spectrum and talk about Wales. Having a fantastic oh. group stage, yeah, right. What we were expecting, right? Yeah. Warren Which, Gatlin really got that team ready to play when they needed to. Bro, I I totally wrote off Wales so early on. I did as well. Yeah, out of teams that won the coach shuffle raffle uh, during the years of 2022, 2023 coming <laughs> yeah. into this World Cup. Yeah, right. Wales and England ended up in a much better spot <laughs> than some of the other teams. Yes. I, I mean, I think I said it the other week, uh, you know, obviously South Africa are the big winners of the World Cup, but I, I'd argue that, uh, you know, England might be the second biggest. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> hindsight's uh, now twenty twenty for England and Eddie Jones. Yes. I mean, this, I think, finishing third... In the with in the World Cup, I think they only they only lost one game. Um, I guess this is our transition into Pool D. They topped their pool four and zero. I thought that they might drop one to our. What did I have? I Argentina. Had, yeah, I had one to Argentina. As well. I had, you okay, actually I didn't went, think they went, were going to make it through. You were a I doubter. Went crazy on this one. I said for Argentina four zero, Samoa three one, England two two. <laughs> yeah, we'll look at that. Sanity. Right? I was trying to go for some upsets. <laughs> Um, no, but England, they came through, they outplayed Argentina quite handily, um, didn't really struggle, you know, uh, handled Japan, um, very close match with Samoa, 18-17, that was a battle that Samoa brought to them, um, oh, obviously dude, decimated yeah. Chile, 71 nothing. um, but they came to play, they won, uh, you know, their first knockout, made it all the way, and, and won the bronze medal, and, you know, coming from... 
after dropping Eddie Jones, picking up Steve Borthwick, struggling in the Six Nations, and people saying, oh, it was terrible. I, I'm one of them. It's a terrible idea to, to drop your coach, you know, right before the World Cup and put them in a bad position. I mean, who cares? You have to be happy. Yeah, you, this has galvanized your decision. We finished third in the World Cup with a coach that had been here for less than a year. And, you know... Uh, I see that smile. <laughs> I don't yeah. want to... Yeah. You know, I, I jokingly said this to y'all, and I feel like I have to repeat this here. With England's only two losses in the last two World Cups be to the winners of the World Cup, while New Zealand has a loss in the last two World Cups to England, mm. uh, I think that solidifies England in the last two World Cups to be the second best performing team across the last two World Cups. You, but, you know, I think that if it weren't that dumb-ass penalty that at the final minute of that semifinal match, England probably could have won this World Cup. I honestly think that. I actually yeah. agree. I, I think so. England would have played super well against New Zealand in, if they had oh, made yeah. it to the final over mm-hmm. South Africa. Right. I, obviously, I go back and rewatch that penalty. I think that should have been reset as a scrum before yeah. it even engaged. Oh, because yeah. Both players 1,000%, were bro. 1,000%. That's not the way the cookie crumbled. So I'm getting my W's where I can and saying that England has had only losses to the winning team of the tournament in the last two World Cups. So I'll take it. I'll yes. take it. Specifically <laughs> South Africa. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah but, you, but, South Africa has your number, bro. Yeah, I'll think, I think what's most interesting, since it, we're kind of blending both Pool D and the uh, knockout stages, a good, a good blend is that we got to see England play Argentina both early in the World Cup and in the last weekend of the World Cup. So I think that's a really cool comparison to see like both of the teams who saw each other in the group stage ended with England winning pretty much just off of kicking game. They just, it was boring. I loved the game. It was fantastic to watch as an England fan, but it was boring rugby. They put a ton of points off the boot, just like from 40 meters, even a 50 meter drop goal, Argentina. You're Argentina welcome, tried Ford. to reciprocate. Yeah, thank you, George uh, Ford. George that Ford, phenomenal. that game was immaculate. Exactly. Uh, and then go into like the bronze medal game where you play Argentina again. They already suffered under your foot, literally, the first time you played them this World Cup. But to still be able to control the game, like, what, seven weeks later? Is that right? Six or seven weeks later? So I, I don't saying, know the exact time difference. but very Yeah, but it's still pretty cool. Very clearly, George Ford should have started against South Africa. I I can agree with that decision in some ways, but I can also see what we were trying to do during the South Africa game because we did hold the lead for 75 minutes, right? Yeah. So, hmm. And I think a lot of the, the early, or, you know, that six minutes had to come from the leadership of Owen Farrell being like, yeah. guys, do not let up. Like, yeah. because the entire, especially the first, like, 10 minutes, like, England was throwing haymakers at South Africa. Going back to what I said earlier, you've got to match their physicality, and England outdid it. 
And a lot of the reason was because Owen Farrell was just getting in everybody's faces and getting it. He, you could hear him screaming from the opposite side of the pitch whenever the forwards would get a penalty or would win on this, uh, win a scrum. It, like you could just hear him go absolutely nuts. So I think that played a lot into the energy of the forwards, and the forwards played a really strong match as well as Mano Tuliangi. Uh, <laughs> and being could, super physical. I could agree with you saying that England's forwards played a good match, but I would also say I don't think of the 23, it was the best set of England forwards on the field because we were missing. Oh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, yeah, I agree with that too. I don't think Vunapola should have been, Billy Vunapola was as good as uh, pretty much any other forward we could have put in that spot. Yeah. Um, no, I, I I think you guys made some good points, but I will also say we do need to uh, finish up the rest of Pool D. True. So we can get back yeah, to our discussions yeah. about the rest of the <laughs> True. This is um, a good point. Yes. Tangent, so, now getting back on track. Yes. yes. So Argentina fin- uh, finished second, three and one. I thought, you know, they had a good tournament, finished fourth, ultimately, did very well in the pool stages. Um, Japan, I'd say... Uh, I wouldn't say call it disappointing or uh, I wouldn't characterize the way they ended it as either disappointing or um, exceeding expectations are sort of about right. They uh, I thought they they played some a decent match against um, Argentina and they did all right against England, but ultimately, you know, finished two and two, just not good enough. Yeah, I think I mean, given the cards they were dealt, they did okay. I think that was better than my expectations. I only had them beating Chile uh, in yeah. that pool. Oh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Well. yeah. And to the very end of the pool stage, I was convinced that that final game where it really was a battle to see who went through, mm-hmm. I felt like Japan had an opportunity to really impress again this World Cup. Yeah, dude. You know me. They, yeah, they came close. Yeah, you know me. <laughs> but I, I really do think, I think, I wouldn't say they did right about where I thought. I thought they were performing worse this year coming wow. into this World Cup than before. And right. I think they did better than my expectation. Yeah. They didn't have they slightly job. exceeded expectation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So um, we should we should move through well, unless you got any I points for Samoa and Chile. Samoa. Samoa. Okay. I thought sure it oh they didn't make it out of the pool stage and they did only win one match, but I thought it was a great four games they played. Three all three of their losses were by single digits. They lost those three games by a combined uh sixteen yeah, sixteen points. They lost to England by one, they lost to Japan by six, and they lost to Argentina uh by nine. Um and then uh, beat Chile uh, 43 to 10. So I thought they played a very good tournament, very close games. They just couldn't get the wins in any of them, but very, very good from there. I think they need to, they should be very proud of how they played. Yeah, that's fair. I, I definitely think their final score line, which unfortunately is what people are going to see and remember, mm-hmm. did not quite show their performance in the tournament. Yes. This is arguably, I'd say, the best one in three team in the tournament. <laughs> I would agree with that. And you know what? I'm, I'm just putting this together now. 
I think between Samoa playing well, Fiji playing well, and then Tonga playing like all right, this mm. shows that the extension of Super Rugby uh, has succeeded in terms of what they were trying to get at in Drua and Moana Pacifica being elevating the the national teams. Absolutely. Yeah. And definitely the um the new um eligibility rules has uh, also assisted them somewhat as yeah. well. But absolutely yeah, it's the like, Moana Pacifica and Fiji and Drua need a lot of credit. It's like the transfer portal in college football. <laughs> <laughs> As Clemson fans, are we sure we know that? Um, okay, so moving forward. Okay, Tyler from Spartanburg. <laughs> moving forward to the rest of the knockout stages. Obviously, we've got conversation in already about England and mm-hmm. England-South Africa and South Africa winning it all. But I want to touch about some of our teams that didn't make it past the quarters. Mm-hmm. We had France and Ireland who I fully expected could win their quarterfinal matches and yeah. didn't. I think it was just... Sorry, I think it was just luck of the draw. Like, we discussed this. Um, the top five-ranked teams were all put on one side, so just ensured only two of them would make it or would make it to the semifinals. So, for some of those who may or may not know, I went on a iHeartRadio interview, and I predicted France to win the World Cup after the group stages. Boy, did I look like an idiot now. <laughs> well, but also, in my defense, that South Africa, like, there was, that South Africa game, again, was cheese. Like, it was a, sim- it's a similar thing as, like, the England, that some of the refing mm-hmm. was absolutely trash and could have went to France's way. And it was a heartbreak for South uh, for France, but like, yeah. I, I between think, that and then Ireland losing in the quarterfinal, I was just like, "Are you kidding me?" I think though, it goes to show. I mean, one rugby is a very hard sport to ref, which is why I didn't bring it up at all during the pool stages. I do think you can blame refs for a lot of things that have happened, but at the end of the day, the refs are the refs. They control the game, and oh yeah, you you got to be able to outplay it by performing yeah. better than the error. You have to put call. yourself in a position where the whatever the ref decides shouldn't affect what what the outcome is. Right, uh, Which, except for that English game, I honestly except for game. except for that final call. Except in the for that, game. except for that one. That one, I that can, is an I cannot, I can never. I'm not get, ever getting over that, dude. <laughs> England. We could talk about the semifinal. I will. I will. Yeah. I think you were angrier than I was. I think I was just sad and disappointed. And you called me and you were like, what the heck just happened? (laughs) Dude, I'm telling you, I think think England might have won me over a little bit there. Yeah. Because because of how how (laughs) they, like, showed up and they were like, we're not going to be bullied by South Africa. Yeah. And it just so happened to be that one dumb call. Mm -hmm. But... Going back to the rest of those teams and the rest of those games, New Zealand really turned it up until they got to the final, which I think they, they almost, it almost felt like what happened with England last world cup where Mm -hmm. they played the semifinal to the level that they would like, were would be playing a final 
and couldn't retain the gas one more week. But to be, I mean, to be fair though, I that's fair in that, but also it's very different finals. This was a significantly closer final, hard fought, like to the very end. True. Um, uh, that they were, but. What I, I guess what I'm what I mean is, um, you know, that's that's fair. If they had played like they played against Argentina, against South Africa, they had to, you know, could have won. But also, if you gotta take into account South Africa was just a much better team than Argentina. Um, Agreed. I think that is the the fair counterpoint yeah. to my claim. And yeah, and you know, I think this just goes to show because I think a lot of people had New Zealand written off coming into this World Cup. New Zealand's just a different animal come World Cup time, and. Clearly, what killed them was uh, the the cards. Sam Kane, their captain, missed you know, um, was it uh, fifty fifty three minutes with a red card, and mm-hmm. you know, you gotta feel feel for him. I don't think it was malicious or anything. It was just really poor technique, really, I mean, just stupid what he did. And you could tell that he was he sat that when he sat down, that's what he was thinking. And you know, I. I feel really bad for him because I feel feel like ten years from now he's gonna think back on that, and I hope you know, and that's just terrible. I have an interesting and compelling question for the two of you, and I have an opinion on this as well. Do you think that the result of this World Cup is gonna change people's minds about Ian Foster at all? For non-New Zealand fans, yes. Hmm. For I, New Zealand fans, I don't think so. Okay. Well, I, I it doesn't change my opinion on him I, a little bit. It makes him a little better. But I think you need to then look at it and be like, okay, is this Ian Foster? Or is it the fact that when things were going really poorly for New Zealand, they came in and brought in uh, Schmidt, changed the forwards coach to the Crusaders uh, forwards coach, changed... Uh, you know, they change a lot of his coaching staff. So then it's like, how much of it is really Ian Foster and how much of it is a new, significantly improved coaching staff around him that should be given the credit? Because it seemed, I mean, watching it, you could recognize um, when Schmidt, a lot of some of the things that Schmidt did when he was in Ireland seep into New Zealand's game and that I think really improved it. Some of their set piece, some of their attacks off set piece. Um so it's really then the question. It really begs the question. I think is was it Ian Foster that turned it around, or was it uh, the coaching staff that was implemented to right the ship that turned it around? So I think, regardless of if you're a South Africa fan or you're not, Scott Robertson is the answer, or that's what people are wanting. I would say I think is that Scott Robertson. Is you gonna... mean when you're a New Zealand fan? Yeah, you said no, South no. Africa. Oh, yeah, sorry, my bad. New yes. Zealand fan. South Africa's answer is more Rassi Erasmus. Oh, yeah, <laughs> but we, we already know that. <laughs> but, yeah, I think the answer for them, or just whatever people are calling for, is for Scott Robertson to finally come be the, be the head coach. And right. that's, what not, that's what New Zealand fans would love, probably what South Africa fans don't love. Uh, but... I think that's where we're getting where this might head. It doesn't matter if Ian Foster, you know, what he contributed or not. Well, they've There's already too many. announced. 
many, many months ago that Scott Robertson is going to be the coach. Yes, but I'm saying so, that it's like it doesn't matter. Like what whatever happened does not matter. You know what I mean? It didn't matter. Yeah. Like if he won this World Cup, I honestly think that it wouldn't have fans would still be like, "Bye." Yeah, P would have been like, "See you later. Good job." I think I, that's why I'm saying like for New Zealand fans, I would say like the the same thing, and like they're they're it doesn't matter in their perception. His his time is over. They're moving on. They don't care. But what I was meaning, like when I say for non New Zealand fans, I think a perspective change is was probably in order because no one thought that they were going to make it to a final this year. Yes, I, I guess that's true. Yeah, and yeah. and I know for me, I look at it, I'm like, yes, you're right. There were coaches coaching changes around him, but I think you can also say like, then was it not Ian Foster the one bringing the team down, and he was just surrounded by coaches who couldn't execute his vision as yes, assistant coaches? That's and, you and, and being devil's advocate, man. You and being devil's advocate. <laughs> I mean, that's a fair point. Yeah, he didn't have the right staff around him, but then that's also isn't also not the coach's job. He picks his staff. Is it not then? an issue that he picked a staff that didn't work and New Zealand, uh, the New Zealand rugby union came in and picked uh, a staff, largely staff that Scott Robertson had, uh, had in his mind who will probably uh, to be like the Crusaders forwards coach, etc. So is that not then a coaching issue as well that you cannot properly com- bring a, a staff you need to win together? I think like, yes, that is a weakness that he had as a coach. But I don't think that makes him a bad coach. No, I, I I do agree. It's I think it's overstated people acting how bad of a coach he is. I don't think he is a bad coach. I think he's just not he's not good enough to live up to the absolutely insane expectations uh, of New Zealand. Yeah, I can see that. I'm just meaning in terms of like to to put it in perspective of like how other nations would because obviously like. The, the the rose or cracked lenses to look at through uh, if you're an, a New Zealand fan, fan aren't there when you're not a supporter. And I think it's as fair to credit the, the coaches that came in as much as it is to say, well, if those other coaches made that much of a difference in their game plan, then you can't put the pressure on uh, him as a head coach for all of their shortfallings prior to that. And you have to give him more credit. I mean, I, yeah, in a way, in a way it's, it's very weird to really figure out how much credit he deserves. So, but ultimately South Africa, they repeat as champs. They do what New Zealand did and they are the first team to get to four world cups. Now they now have the best, uh, best world cup nation, world uh, rugby nation of all time. (laughs) Or have they not passed? Uh, ooh, ooh, they need to do more to pass. Uh, New I don't know, first. I think in, in terms of World Cups, yes, they're the best World Cup performing team. But I wouldn't say there are there are three other years between each yeah. World Cup cycle, which I think you can argue against that fact. No, I agree. I think they're the best World Cup team, and New Zealand is just the best rugby team. Historic. Like ever historical, ever. Okay. just just all around the entirety of rugby. Yeah, I have to say it is incredible what this South Africa team could put together just ahead of the World Cup and put together during the World Cup because yeah. they had guys like Sia Khaleesi go out with an ACL tear, 
seven months ago. A, a, surely an injury that takes n- at least nine months to well, an entire year. I, I don't care. Like still, you, <laughs> that's you, still that's, a lot of rehab. Like, that's still, yeah, that, that's still like nine months of rehab that you potentially have to do. And yes, right. people will be like, oh, we, you know, it's whatever. But like when you, it's truly a great thing when you're in national treasure, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everybody has to put in your time and money. But like him coming back was great. Andre Pollard coming back, uh, being able to play again was great. Mm-hmm. Like getting being healthy and playing well was great. And then yeah. seeing like and, a lot of the same te- like faces that we saw from the last World Cup was great. Um, but what were you gonna say, Bucket? Continue. Oh, I was gonna say my this is my last point because we are running a little bit here. Um, but I think, you know, Sia Khaleesi, I think at this point, he's in the conversation now alongside, like, Richie McCaw um, and Dusator and or, like, the best captain in rugby history. Because he's just, like, he may not be the best player on his team. He's a great player, but he might he's probably, he's not usually the best player on the field, but he is just probably the most has the most gravity you can just tell the difference in the team when he is on the field they rally around him the country rallies around him um and he's just such a great and an incredible leader i mean at the end of the match first thing he did was he went over to cheslin colby on the sideline who you you know was just distraught over the fact that he had felt like he had doomed his team because he had that yellow card um and the first thing he did was go straight to to his teammate who was hurting uh, yeah just one of the greatest captains, I think, in rugby history. And then, do you mind if I add one other thing to that? I think this is also s- cemented Andre Pollard as one of the best South African players, period, of Ooh. all time. Yeah, I, I think, yeah. I think mm-hmm. he's. This is cementing him at his legacy as now as a double World Cup winner and as a crucial key part of both teams to win yeah. their yep. to win those championships. Well, Absolutely. as inevitable as Ireland losing in the quarterfinals, the World <laughs> Cup is over. And so is our episode here coming to a conclusion with our good points made and our good conversations had. We have another dear four years till the next one, but plenty of rugby between now and then, and you know we're going to be talking about it. So as we finish up here to... See more, read more, hear more. Go to www.tigerstalkprod.com and check out all of our other content as well as our merch store. We've got stuff for just general rugby stuff as well as some Clemson rugby stuff. You can go support them and and money will go to them with some of those purchases as well. So go check out the website. So finally... Wrap it up. All I'm going to say is USA playing Brazil this weekend, 10 a.m. Eastern time. Stream is TBD, but look for it maybe on either Rugby Network, Flow, potentially on YouTube. But if you can, at least try and watch the replay. So go ahead and watch the rugby.